right, there we go. Um, this is the Powder Finger Podcast. I'm John Eigen, and today I have a very special guest. It's Brett Wilson of The Roots of Creation. What's up, Brett? How you doing, John? Well, you know, I'm just hanging out. I want to talk to you about um, how The Roots of Creation uh, came to be, came to, you know, rise to the heights that it's at today. Um, you guys have the number one Billboard reggae debut Um and you have a uh, number one on relics magazine you know how did you guys get where you are today those are amazing accomplishments for sure thank you so much yeah um both of those things are all with you know the support of the community around us uh in terms of uh doing pre-order and crowdfunding campaigns and touring and prior to covid and and people buying the records you know on our merch store and streaming it and all, you know, all that kind of stuff where people have your back and um, you take risks and, and, you know, sometimes you end up with super awesome achievements like that. Um, You know, so for like, like you were saying, the last two records that we put out grateful dub, a reggae infused tribute to the grateful dead and living free, uh, which has like a regular version and a deluxe version, which I, I like a little bit better because it's got like acoustic and, uh, dub versions of all the songs pretty cool um and uh yes just thanks to our community which we call like the roc family and our street team the universal soldiers for you know helping us make those things happen with you know uh crowdfunding campaigns and pre-ordering the album and spreading the word to their family and friends and you know just kind of doing a grassroots style um that we ended up uh, like you said debuting for both those records, number one on the reggae billboard charts and um, relics magazines always been good friends of ours, but um, you know, you guys uh, curate the, the radio charts there. And um, the, the only way we got to the number one spot on both those records and in the top, you know, 10 with some singles recently is because the radio independent radio stations, the non-commercial radio stations, you know, have our back and are always, uh, you know, you know, started out slow, just building the relationships with them, um, you know, utilizing uh, at first the homegrown music network. And then later on uh, working with David at Powderfinger um, and, you know, building the relationships there. And then, you know, on our own, keeping in touch with the DJs. It's a it's an important uh, network, at least for us with the reggae rock music and the, and the jam band music. Awesome. So you think, so do you think uh, you would credit, you know, those uh, you you mentioned crowdfunding a bunch and um, your merch store and offering things for pre-order. Those things are, um, would you say your main tools in growing your, uh, would you call them the ROC? um, Uh, The ROC family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're just one of like many, many of the tools we use, but it's, those were the tools that helped us really that combined with, you know, selling vinyl and CDs and deluxe version of CDs and streaming, you know, all those things add up to the point where we busted through and, you know, beat everybody in terms of sales that, that week, you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, you know, it was like a big team effort. I think we had 10 people on the team at that point in time for the record release behind the scenes on top of, you know, um, on top of, you know, the, the fans, you know, driving everything. So it's the ROC empire. 
<laughs> you know, I've, I've always just, I've always loved finding new ways to reach people and spread our music around and, um, you know, just figuring it out, like navigating the pieces of the puzzle behind mm -hmm. the scenes, you know, first you have to have great music, obviously, but then the, me and, you know, David have always talked about like, you know, if, if a tree drops in the wood, what's the old adage of a, if a tree falls in the woods, do you hear it? Like it's the same with music. Oh, like here, it doesn't make a sound, right? Yeah, exactly. So if you make a record, will it make a sound if you have a thousand CDs in your closet or like, what are you, what are you going to do about it? Like, you know, that. I'm just, people are all the time. We're like, I'm just going to drop it on Spotify. I'm like, please, I'm please don't. I mean, of course you could do that. And some sort of algorithm could pick it up or, you right. know, something for the best. Yeah. But it's, it's really like, like, how are you going to roll this out? Like, you know, is it, once you get really big, it's cool to just like drop music, like Beyonce and other people. They're like, people get sick of those giant rollout campaigns and they're like, surprise, I have a new record. Like that works. That's cool. But like, right. if you're Beyonce surprise, I have a new record. Nobody knows who I am. Doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't really work. Um, so we've always just tried to be innovative and grassroots and just, you know, build some sort of word of, you know, for me, like social media is an extension of word of mouth. When we first started out, you asked for the origins. Um, it was, you know, a van, a shitty van we got for a couple thousand dollars. It was printed out map quest directions. It was sharing a house. It was, uh, you know, practicing night and day studio night and day touring night and day picking up whatever day job is possible, substitute teaching, janitorial skills, interning with booking agencies, whatever I could do to, to figure things out. And then, you know, reaching out on the phone, you know, some email, but a lot of phone calls like, Hey, can I open for you here? Hey, can we play this place? Hey, can we play this college? Whatever. It's like a lot of like legwork and then just getting on the road and doing it. And then like, you know, borrowing money from family members you know or hustling to save up some loot to press some cds and then just giving them out right. collecting collecting email addresses you know just hit, hit hit hitting the pavement and just putting the music up for free on archive.org just just trying to figure out like how you know what are people responding to like you know obviously they want to see people having fun on stage but they want to see different set lists each night. They want to, you know, they want you to experiment. They want to song, songs they can sing along to, you know. There's having fun on stage and then there's everything that, you, you know, goes behind that, like what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. So it's really mm -hmm. like what you're, what you're saying is, um, you know, you, you took a full dive, right? Like it's not something that you can half-ass, you know. For, for sure. And I think that some I've seen some people – take a full dive and not go out on the road and like build their scene on the internet, which also works too. Um, you know, it's just, you have to do, you have to build your scene, scene somehow. Um, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, you know, there's this really great, there's a, there's really great, you know, uh, reggae rock artist stick figure in our scene that, you know, he didn't really tour for a while and he just produced everything himself and released, you know, records, uh, you know, online and CDs and vinyl. 
and built his audience that way and then went out and toured. But he put in quite a bit of energy into marketing the releases and building a vibe and a scene and 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 having great compositions and you know you know cool art cool artwork and merchandise and like you know so maybe he didn't hit the the pavement and maybe he had some you know day job stuff like we did you know but his approach was a little different but it's the same mindset of where you know he's building this thing you know and right no matter how you do it it's hustling exactly yeah so that's how you go from the small the small reggae band in a van to number one billboard uh, you know reggae billboard debut and all of that yeah it's it's like taking taking your music and being like okay now i made this piece of art how do i get people to hear it and how do i put on the funnest best show possible known to man so people will come back and bring their friends you know developing that business mindset to go along with it yeah and just but but also then once you get to the show like throwing the business out the door and lighting it on fire and just creating a giant party you know man i gotta go to one of your concerts <laughs> <laughs> when's the last time you guys played have you guys started going around again mm-hmm. yeah we only did like maybe two or three shows. Uh, we did one in Wyoming. We did one in Hampton beach and maybe one other place. Once COVID hit, it was just kind of like sink or swim. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, all of our shows got canceled. I thought I was going to still have solo acoustic shows. Those were canceled. So then it was just like fighting for unemployment. You know, the fans were like awesome. They were supporting us on the merch store. So we were able to keep like, our support staff of like a social media manager and publicist and, you know, different people on board to like keep, you know, the band going and keep recording, but wasn't able to really like survive myself financially. So luckily eventually unemployment worked out and like we were able to keep, keep creating thanks to the fans. And we did a, a Kickstarter and we're able to finish our album. So that was great. You know, and you mean when you said crowdfunding earlier, that's what. You yeah, were it was our third crowdfunding campaign. I, like I, I said, I hopefully will never have to do one again. But then, I wasn't really uh, expecting to have touring stop, which was our only source of income at, at the time. <laughs> so, the money. So I, I had finally built it up where I was like, okay, I can pay my mortgage, I can take care of my kids. Like I'm on the poverty line, but like I'm I'm actually doing this. Like I'm like able to survive. Um, and to me, that was like making it. Like I can take care of my family. Your 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 definition of making it changes over time, but that was like I made it. Like I like as a 38, you know, what at the time I think I was like yeah, 38 or 37, 38. Like I'm making it. Like I can support myself with music. Like between playing acoustically and playing with the band and whatever. And then COVID hit and I was like, fuck, <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, right. But, but, but we, we, end, we were like, fuck this. We're going to, all right, well, you know, my girlfriend at, at the time was like, let's like in super into like clothing brand. She's like, let's turn this into a clothing brand, like online. Let's, let's, you know, get cool, cool designs. Like, you know, like really like build this out so this fans will be stoked and we started dropping like limited edition pins and doing all sorts of cool stuff and like i started live streaming each week and that kind of like was a lot of fun and we ended up like kind of growing our community like internationally through the live streams which is super dope and then uh now we're finally getting back to uh 
you know, normal and, and, and playing some shows again, but just because we built all these other things up and I've been spending so many, so much time with my kids and like, I totally did, pivoted and did a 180. It's hard to like, some people are just jumping back in, but for me, like we put so much effort into these other platforms after like the, you know, pandemic hit, like to try to survive and pivot and adapt that, you know, everybody's like, when are you going to tour here? When are you going to tour there? And I'm like, man, like I want to come there, but it's like, you know, how about you come to us right? <laughs> and come to some of the shows we have right now? Because like, I like hanging out with my kids and like, I want to go there when it makes sense. And when it's like financially feasible and like, you know, we're just trying to think a little bit smarter right now and look at the big picture and still balance as well, you know, striking the balance and still like, you know, the, the great thing was we were getting to be creative rather than being on the road, grinding it out. It was like, let's go in the studio all the time. Like we have so much stuff we want to record and share with people. So it's like, you know, just like love performing live. Like we just played a sold out show with our friends, bad fish, at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom in New Hampshire, like 2,200 people raging. It was awesome. Like the energy was nuts. Like, so it's, it's, it's dope. It's just like touring is like, it's intense. It's a grind. So like, you know, traveling, being away from family, just at this point, we're like, okay, let's make sure everything is worth it. And let's not forget about like the creative aspects that we got to enjoy and the family aspects we got to enjoy, you know, as the flip side of the pandemic, you know? Well, thank you so much for sharing about how you, uh, you know, have made it, as you would say, as a musician. Um, you have an incredible story and uh, an incredible band. And uh, what do you want? What do you want to use to play uh, this podcast out? What, what's um, what's something you want to push to the masses? In terms of uh, like like a, a song to play? Yeah. Oh man. Quick little. It's always a hard. It's a hard hard question. It's like. Do uh do you put on this the song that everybody the most people discover the band through? Do you put on the song you like the best? Do you put on you put on the the newest song? So let's go with uh I vote the newest song. Okay, uh so the newest song will be uh, a song that um it's off our upcoming album uh Dub Free or Die, which we uh, finished during the pandemic and was you know funded by our amazing ROC family fans. And it's uh, produ- dub, free produ- die. dub free or die. Yep. And it's produced by um, our longtime live front of house engineer and longtime uh, mixing engineer, um, Pete Peliquin, who really wanted to hear a reggae rock version of the Almond Brothers and Warren Haynes song, uh, Soul Shine. And he was like, screw it. If you guys aren't going to do it, I'm going to start producing it myself. So he started producing it. And started just, you know, working with some drum packs and, you know, doing all the instruments himself and stuff. And like, I started listening to it. I was like, this is actually fucking dope. Like, like I thought the idea was a good idea, but like he just, once he started to create it, I was like, man, I want to get involved with this. So I laid down like the blues guitar and then we had like a giant collab session with uh, our band. And then we had uh, Paul W from Slightly Stupid uh Dela, the saxophone player from stupid and uh nick asta from the elevators on percussion mm. and um you know jesse wagner from the agrolites sang lead vocals and you know we had some local people morgan and and 
Kaylee come in on harmony vocals and use the sample pack of drums from the Green Lion crew. So it's like a giant collab and it's it's pretty fucking awesome. So um I I love uh classic rock and southern rock, so it's a cool spin on you know classic song. All right, so then this is um the reggae version of the Almond Brothers Soul Shine um by the Roots of Creation. Thanks so much for coming on, Brett. You're welcome. When you can find the light to guide you through a cloudy day, when the stars ain't shining bright.